cannot wait to, uh, to get into the sermon this morning. So uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Let me read our passage for you and for us, give you a brief introduction, and we will jump right in. Romans chapter 8, verse number 12, down through verse 17, reads as following. Remember, he's, he's writing to a church, and, and we're going to make this our own. So you and I are a church. Let us think that he is writing to us. He's writing to the church at Rome in the first century. It has been recorded and has been kept for you and for me. So he is writing to you, and he's writing to me. So then, brothers and sisters, right here at River Bend, We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, I ask that as we spend just a few moments this morning looking at this passage, as we spend our time this morning looking in Romans 8, and we center around the term adoption. God, that you would show up in a mighty way. Show us what you have done for us, what you have done to us. For those of us who know you, and those of us that don't know you, I pray that this morning would resonate, it would ring clearly into the hearts and minds of those that are here, into the hearts and minds of those that you will send us out to tell what you've done. God speak this morning, I pray in Christ's name, amen. I don't know about you, but I am, I will never be known as, and y'all can shoot me if you'd like, wait till I finish the sermon though, uh, uh, for um, loving chocolate. I, I'm not a chocolate fanatic, and, uh, and okay, that's fine, but for everyone, I believe, even if you are a chocolate fanatic, I believe if you were to have an Oreo cookie in front of you, there's two things that must happen. Number one, it's got to be double stuff, and number two, it's not about the chocolate wafers, it's about the cream filling on the inside, right? Can we all agree to that? If, if that's the case, then the cream filling, the, the stuff that you and I need to grasp today, that you and I need to to eat today is found in our second point, but I want to get to it first, and then we'll come back to it. And so I've got two families that I'm inviting to come up on stage. Um, We're going to have the Pilstroms right here behind this mic, and uh, Johnson's y'all can fill in over there. All right? 
it's all about adoption. This passage is, and I know that I'm a week late because last Sunday morning was adoption and orphan Sunday. I just could not get through the scripture fast enough, and it's my fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's my fault. I take full ownership and blame of that. But I've asked them to come up and to uh, tell their story in just a couple of minutes, and I've got two questions for each of the families, so let me um, ask the questions first, and here are those questions. Um, Number one, why did you adopt? What compelled you as a couple, what compelled you as a family to adopt? And second, uh, what's the greatest thing about the adoption and maybe uh, serious and maybe even joking, what's the worst thing about the adoption? I'm going to let the Johnsons go first and we'll let, no, I'm going to let Miss Pilstrom go first. We've got a sick one at the house, so go right ahead, go. <laughs> well, uh, without adoption, this 
Thank you, Pilstroms. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Johnsons, let's talk about yours. Well, our story, um, our story is a lot the same. I just felt compelled at a very early age um, that adoption was something that I'd want to do. Um, I was raised in a church where adoption was prominent um, back in the 80s and um, just wanted to follow through with that. Little did I know that in college I would be diagnosed um, with just a, one of those things, and my doctor had to tell me at 20 that I would never have children of my own. Um, and now, most of you know Hayden is out there, so we know we serve a very big God that knows a lot more than doctors do. Um, but at that point, we just immediately started pursuing adoption as well as expanding our family. Um, and adoption came first. Um, so we were called on January 1st um, by, through a private individual and that just kind of laid the ground of us adopting Meredith um, and just to share um, one of the best things about that is that just knowing that God's plan is always best even though Chris and I had tried for years to have a family on our own um, whenever it came to um, her being born she was born on March 26th and then when I held her for the first time it was just imminent that God's plan is always best because um I remember holding her and just thanking God in that moment, as crazy it was that I had never gotten pregnant. Because um, if I had, I would have missed out on the biggest blessing and the best plan um, that he had for our family and for us. And then adopted, finalized her adoption 13 months later. And through that, the worst part of that was that um, it was kind of a up and down procedure court deal that we had to go through. But... Um, that's one of those things from the worst part of it is that in adoption and foster care, you have no control. You're at the mercy of social workers, judges, attorneys, um, birth family, you know, just, um, just relying truly on the fact that you have no control over anything. And that is, that is probably the worst part. Um, but in that, seeing God orchestrate things that we can't, um, it's one of those things where you just have to lay it down at his feet and you get to see God work in ways that, that we can't. So it's the worst and the best at the same time. Um, finalized our adoption and found out that we were four and a half months pregnant with Hayden. Um, this, despite the, what the doctors told us, um, I had the same doctor 
that told us we were pregnant um, tell, was the one that told me at 20 I would never have kids. So she was kind of just as shocked. And that was a, a time I was able to tell her, you know, to her face, well, we serve a very big God. And, and look what he did. Because she looked at me, she said, I, I just don't even understand. Um, I said, well, this is God's plan for us. Um, and then Chris and I, um, I'm a counselor at a high school. And uh, we had a homeless student that um, was going to be sent to a shelter in downtown Memphis, and I knew she would not survive. And we begged the court, and at that time we were not licensed foster parents, but I have worked in the field of social work and adoption through the Department of Human Services since 1997. Not that I can pull strings or have any attachment, but I knew that if we could go to the judge and plead our case, um, he would say no, because I know how DHS works. Um, you have to be licensed. I mean, hands down, they will not place a child without you going through all the proper um, channels. But he did. He let us leave court that day. She was 17 at the time. And that's a whole different story. We don't have time for that today. Um, but it led us when we got a call um, about Jenna. Um, and they called us and they said, we need her to come stay the She's night um, until we can get things worked out. Um, just her situation. Um, father passed away and then a very tragic um, situation in a at the, her current foster home, they just said, we need you to take her for the night. And, well, that was in September of 2014. And we finalized our adoption of her in 2015, August 26th. So we've just been blessed. Um, you know, as far as just, I, I too, I felt the, the need and the, the call to adopt. And I think it's a calling that is placed on everyone's life. I know in, in James it states that we're called to care for the orphan and the widow, that doesn't mean that you're called to adopt. It does mean that we have to, um, you know, provide for them and to care for them. So a lot of people get that confused. But um, I felt the calling a long time ago, and when I met Lauren, she told me it's very possible that we'd never be able to have kids. And so that's all right, we could adopt. So I think God has a plan. And seeing that plan fulfilled has been just amazing. And I think that's one of the best things that um, has been able to come and other thing is we've gone through this process twice is that, um, you know, knowing that seeing these two individuals that I have the privilege of seeing God's plan in their lives and my lives and putting us together and just um, being able to um, raise them and knowing that they know that I went after them, that we didn't sit there and, you know, get in a lineup and they were able to pick us out, that God put us together for a reason. And I think that that's very much how he views <laughs> us, that he pursues us, and he comes after us. And that's why uh, our adoption is such, such a, or adoption in general is just such a perfect picture of his adoption of us. And being able to see that um, through these kids' lives and knowing that um, I'm able to raise them, just the joy <laughs> that they bring to us and just the fellowship and the just relationships that I have with them, no matter how crazy they make us at times or, uh, you know, how mad I may get at them for, for messing up. But, uh, <laughs> but they're always there, and, uh, you know, we love them. Amen. Amen. Hello. Okay, Ah. You know, this passage in uh, Romans chapter 8, centers on and uh, kind of deals with spiritually what their story 
has been in a physical sense and what your story and what my story is to be in an eternal sense. Let me read the verses one more time. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. I want to share with you uh, three truths this morning. Three truths about your state and about my state, about where you and I find ourselves right this moment. If you are a son of the king, if you have bowed the knee, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ wasn't just a great man, wasn't just a great teacher, but that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin, for for all of them, the ones that you did as a 5-year-old, the ones that you did as a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old, and if you're 45 or above, all of them that you have done, all the ones that you will do this week, and even all the ones that you will do until you die or until He comes back. If you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, these truths are you. These truths are you at this moment. So here are the truths. Truth number one, the Spirit is at work in you. The Spirit is at work in you, in us. He is at work for You look there in verse 13 and you look there in verse 14. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Spirit of God is at work in you and in me. He is at work at all times. The question for you is not, is the Spirit of God at work? He is at work. The question is, can I sense Him? It might just be that you and I need to take just a moment and stop. It might be that you and I just need to stop and take a deep breath. And as you and I take that deep breath, ask the Father, Okay, Father, I know that I'm yours. 
But Father, I, I, for the life of me, I cannot sense that you're working. That you're working in my life. For the life of me, I cannot see or feel. I, I don't even, I don't know that you are working. And Lord, I just need to slow down. Tim Keller states it this way. He, he states this. You and I have two problems. Tim Keller is a pastor in, in uh, Manhattan. And uh, he says, you and I have two problems. And, and God understands these two problems. And he acted in those two problems. Here's the first problem. You and I are sinners. And we're worse off than we ever thought that we were. Now, you and I know. We know for those of us that have lived in church or, or grown up in church, for those of us that have, have read God's Word or heard God's Word preach, we know that, yeah, we're sinners. And we would say, for the most part, we would say, yeah, I'm a sinner. But realistically, we all probably find ourselves thinking, saying, or if not even acting. Yeah, I may be, but that guy right there, I'm better than him. Just let you know, I pointed over here. I didn't point at anybody. That that lady over there, yep, yeah, I'm better than her. Our problem is that we are sinners, and we are so much worse than we would even give ourselves credit. So much worse. But God, knowing that problem, he comes to this second issue, Keller does. And he says this. We have one who thought so highly of us. He thought so highly of us that he came and he acted. Look back in verse 3. If you have your Bibles open, you look back in verse 3. Let me read it for you. It states this, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Your problem is one, that you are a sinner, that I am a sinner. And our problem, the second issue that we have or the second problem that is in front of us is this there is this one who came this one who acted knowing how terrible you were knowing how terrible I was he acted on God's behalf to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law that it might be fulfilled in us the spirit of the living God is at work in us. Henry Blackaby states, find where God's working and go join him. That's one of the the greatest statements that he's known for. Henry Blackaby, um, the author of Experiencing God and so many other studies and so many other books, Christian books, he says, find where God is working and go join him. And how true that is. But know this, he's working in you. 
And his desire is for you and for me to know that and to join him in the work that is in us. For us to be who we are supposed to be, you and I must know that the Spirit of God is working. He's working in you and he's working in me and it may just be that this afternoon, instead of that Sunday afternoon nap, instead of that television being turned on and watching whatever is on the screen, it may be that we just need to stop and we just need to get alone and say, okay, Lord, I know that I'm yours. I know that, that you're working in me. I just haven't stopped long enough. And I want to stop. So that I can see and I can know that you're working. Second truth is this. Not only that the Spirit of God is working in us, but the second truth is for you and for me to understand that believers have been adopted into the family of God. I don't know what you think about when you think of the word adopted. I know that Toby and Tony and that Lauren and Chris and their families have come to to understand something that most of us might not have even thought of or in thinking about it we have passed by that and, and gone on. But let me tell you what spiritually the word adoption means. Spiritually speaking, the word adoption is, is used only by Paul in the New Testament. He's the only guy that, that wrote about it, that spoke of this term adoption. And he wrote of it five times, with three of them being right here in Romans. Okay, and So he, he wrote about the term adoption, and he wrote about it in spiritual terms. This term adoption, it signifies being granted the full rights and privileges of sonship in a family to which one does not belong by nature. In adoption, all previous relationships were severed. The adoptive father deliberately chose this child. The adopted, the adoptive father deliberately chose more than likely in the first century, chose a son. And he would choose that son to perpetuate his name and to hand off his inheritance, his estate. The new father exercised authority over the new son. The new son entered into the privileges and the responsibilities of what would have been a natural son. But what you and I don't grasp about adoption is this, that you and I all, every single one of us in this room, every single one of us in Hernando, Mississippi, every single one of us We're orphans. 
No, Brian, I had a mom and a dad. Spiritually, you were an orphan. Spiritually, the only inheritance that you had in and of yourself, all your good works, all your gifts, all your talents, the only inheritance that you and I had was death, was eternally being separated from God. But God. God acted on your behalf. Sir, he acted on your behalf. Ma'am, he acted on your behalf. He acted on my behalf, and he chose us. I love what Chris stated, that he chose those and ran after them, and God did the absolute same thing. I love that in both of their stories from a young age, they said, you know what? This is what our family is going to look like. We chose that. And God chose you and he chose me. And he adopted us. Listen to what uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 states. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption. In love, He predestined you for adoption. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. John recorded it two different ways in these words. First, in John's gospel, in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Then later in his epistles, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he states this, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. God adopted you and me, and He adopted you into His family. Let that sink in. That's the double stuff cream filling right there. That he saw fit. And he loved you in all your messes. He he loved you in all your junk. He loved you in all your sin. He loved you. And before the foundation of the world. Right there in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Before the foundation of the world. God said, you know what? That orphan Brian Tillman who if I left him as the best that his mom and dad could do would be one that lies to authority, that one that doesn't care about authority or what the law states 
and he goes his own way, and he goes his own way, and he is a, a terrible, terrible person. Before the foundation of the world, he said, you know what, that Brian Tillman, one day he's going to be like me. Now, you and I, you and I always know that if you were to come down here and you were to hold my hand and I would try to pull you up where I am, it would be so much easier for you to pull me down than for me to pull you up. But God says, I don't care how terrible you are. I don't care how nasty it is. I will reach my hand down there and I will pull you up. I will make you my son. I will make you look like me. You will be my daughter. And for all eternity, I will give you everything. My whole best. He acted when you would not. He chose you when you would not. He ran after you and me, and He adopted us so that you and I would be a part of His family. I probably should stay there, but I'm going to go to the third truth. I'm going to go to the third truth, and let's uh, try to put a bow on the sermon. Truth number three is this. Adoption declares for you and declares for me, declares for us a new legacy. And that legacy is that you and I are heirs in the royal family. You and I are heirs in the royal family. Let me read verses 15 through the end of the chapter. Excuse me, through the end of the paragraph, not the chapter. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom you and I cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself hears excuse me, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. This third truth for you and for me is this, that your adoption into the family of God. You and I have bowed the knee, have confessed with our mouth, have surrendered our lives. Not not just eternity, but we have surrendered our Monday. We have surrendered our Sunday afternoon. We have surrendered this week. We have surrendered every single day to Him. And He says, hey Brian, because you did that, here's everything that I have. Now you think about that for a second. We live in the uh, most blessed, I would say, land of our day. For the most of us that are in this room, for the most of us in this county, in this state, in this nation, whatever we want, we could have in our driveway, we could have in our house, we could have at our table. 
And in one essence, with that being stated, it's kind of hard for us to fathom the riches that you've been given. But you and I need to see those riches. You and I need to, need to understand the heirs that we are. The inheritance that He has given to you and to me. Listen to this great fact as I was reading uh, and studying for this. Let me listen to this fact. The value of an inheritance is determined by the worth of the one who bequeaths it. That's a big word for who gives it, okay? And the inheritance of Christians is from the Creator, Sustainer, and Owner of the world. God is not only the source of our inheritance, but He is Himself our inheritance of All the good things in the universe, the most precious, is the Creator Himself. Now, one day I'm going to die. I'm going to start. I'm going to push up daisies and six feet under, and I'm going to go see Jesus. Okay, and and when I die, I'm going to have an inheritance. It's probably going to be a lot of bills, but it's going to be an inheritance that I'm going to give to my son and my daughter. And you see that? The value of the inheritance is determined by the worth of the one who bequeaths it, who gives it. The value of the inheritance that has been given to you has been given by the Creator Himself. And that inheritance is not a a home in heaven. That inheritance is not just allowing you to enter into the pearly gates by the skin of your teeth. That inheritance is not, ooh, my, my... My robe smells like I'm burnt, but I got in. That's not the inheritance. You all understand what I'm saying? The inheritance is Him. He is the inheritance. He's the one who gives it, and He gives Himself. And because of who He is, it has all the weight. It has all the glory. It has all the splendor and all the majesty because it is Him. And He has freely given it to you. And that inheritance does not have to wait until you die. That inheritance has been given to you. He has been given to you. Because he lives inside of you. It's the same God who parted the Red Sea. It's the same God who caused the sun to stand still. It's the same God who raised the dead men back to life. It's the same God who caused uneducated Galileans to be able to speak multiple languages. It's the same God who lives in you and desires for you and for me to know that He is working, that He has given all of this and has adopted you and adopted me as sons and daughters into the family might we live different because we know him because he lives inside of us heavenly father i bow before you father so often 
the responsibilities of this day, the things on the to-do list draw our attention away from you, our King. Draw our attention away from you, our prize, our inheritance. God, I pray. Lord, I pray that we would this morning be brought back to you. That we would be reminded of this great prize. Of the one who has given himself, oh Father. Young, middle-aged, and old in the room. I pray that you would open our eyes. That we might see what you've given us. Who you've given us. And that we are to grab a hold of you right now. For the position that we live our lives in is as a son and a daughter of the king. As a joint heir with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not as peasants. Not as slaves to another. We are yours. Bought back. By the precious crimson blood. Oh Father, might we see that. Might you open our eyes and our ears and our lives to that today. Bring us back to you. Father, as we stand and as we sing in just a moment, Father, may our focus be on you, the the one audience of this worship, the one audience of this invitation, the one audience that has given everything. Might we sing to you, might we come to you, might we call out to you, and might you Show us your work in us and your desire to work through us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. This time is for you, sir, and it is for you, ma'am, to come back to him. So you obey. Sean and the worship team, the band's going to lead us, but you obey. It is a time for you to be invited back to Him. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing. You obey our Father this morning.